Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 232. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. Denver Film Festival coverage rolls on. That's right. DFF 42. I've got another great show coming right at you. On this edition, I've got the writer, director, and star of the movie Man Camp. It's a hilarious story of three brothers who commemorate their dead dad only to find that their mom has a brand new guy up at their cabin. That guy, played by Pete Gardner. Now, you may know Pete Gardner from the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He is a delightful guy, funny, hilarious, personable, and just a delight to talk to. Also, I've got Dan Cummings. He's also a star in the movie, and he also wrote it. Additionally, Nate Bakke. He is the director. Now, Nate and Dan know each other pretty well. We get into that a little bit in this episode. And when they got Pete to play the lead, man, were they excited. Because when you see this movie, Pete is an absolute force of nature. And you'll hear it on this podcast. Just what a great dude. A consummate actor. He's got tons and tons of TV credits. And as he says, in every role that he does, he brings something of himself. And you can see that. He's a very giving actor. He's a very giving presence. He was delightful in this interview, as were all three of them. This is a really fun chat and a really fun movie. I was thrilled to get to see this one. And it's funny, in this episode, these guys say that Hollywood isn't making a ton of comedies like this anymore. And they think that audiences want this kind of film. I certainly do. I mean, I grew up watching comedies like this. It's a story about a family, and there's a ton of jokes. As I say in this interview, when I watch this movie, I got to laugh in the first 10 seconds. And Nate and Dan said, you have to invite the audience to laugh and let them laugh early. And not only is it funny, it's deeply human. It's a movie that deals with loss, but it doesn't do it in a dour way. It does it in a light way. You know, how do we move forward? How do we grow up? How do we accept change? And how do we do it while still having plenty of laughs? These are all things we touch on. We also touch on how do you make a movie that has effects and stunts on a low budget? I ask Pete how he comes in and integrates himself into cultures that already exist. Obviously, Nate and Dan knew each other, as did some of the people who worked on this film. How do you come in and establish yourself and fit in into a culture that already exists? I have experience with that. Being a solo entrepreneur, sometimes I get subcontracted into larger firms. So, you know, how do you come in and be a part of the team when one seems to already exist? It's a fun, breezy, lighthearted chat. And I think that's reflective of how enjoyable this movie is. So to check out Man Camp, go to the John of All Trades website. You'll find the companion blog piece. It's also in the show notes. I link to Man Camp. So you can stay up to date with how you might catch it. You can also find me on the social media. That's J-O-A-T pod across platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. And you know what? Why drag this out? Let's get to this interview. I've got three great dudes on this week's show. Pete Gardner, the star of Man Camp. Nate Bakke, the director. Dan Cummings, who was both the writer and another star of the film. It's episode 232 of the John of All Trades podcast, and it starts right now. É, 
and uh, even the drivers are like super pumped for the show. So, no kidding. Yeah, they're <laughs> really? like totally into it, and they they've read my IMDb page, and they're like talking to me about the movies I've done or things that I've nice. done before, which is great. They're they're enthused. I love it. That's delightful, right? I mean, that's what you want from a film festival experience. Have you spent much time in Denver? Uh, well, I spent some time when we did the film, but we were actually up in Netherland. Oh, yeah. So, okay. uh, so we only spent a little bit of time in Denver. Mm-hmm. And then I have family in Denver, but they're like up in Littleton. Okay. It's funny because I used to date a girl up in Coal Creek Canyon, so up Highway 72. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I was looking at them like, that looks like familiar topography That's to where me. the <laughs> bar fight scene yeah, I think it was in yeah, that, uh, yeah. So it wasn't actually in Netherlands. It was yeah, the last stand. The last okay, stand up there, the I haven't been up there in a while. Yeah. We uh, we broke up more. Than, <laughs> good God, like more than fifteen but years ago now. Pop but, in there, and see how she's doing. But you're still talking about it. <laughs> My wife would love that. <laughs> also in her loss. Uh, <laughs> so this is Pete Gardner, Nate Baki, and Dan Cummings. You guys are the creative force behind Man Camp. Part of those it. guys part are of it. Part yeah. of it. Yeah, I mean Dan, um, Dan and Scott. Wrote it. Right. Yep. And uh, Nate directed it, and I just showed up. Where's Scott? Twitter. Uh, Scott is a big-time, big-shot guy. Yeah. No, he's... Uh, <laughs> he's taking an improv class. <laughs> he's... He's in He is in Groundlings Super right advanced now. Groundlings, yeah. which is a big deal. So okay. They, they kind of get you on lockdown there, so... Gotcha. You know, I already berated him via the phone a couple Good. times. Also a few voicemails today, but... Uh, We'll get him up here eventually. Well, I'm sure he had it coming. I saw this movie today, really enjoyed it. And one thing I loved about it was it, it opens with almost like a montage of Chuck Norris facts about the dad in this. <laughs> I didn't right? think about that, but yes. That is that, I mean, sort of what it is? Or like Bill Brasky, like that old <laughs> SNL sketch, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. Just this over-the-top sort of portrayal of these guys' dad. Mm-hmm. And like right from it's the get-go, true. I go, I'm in. Like I'm into it. And, and any time a movie makes me laugh in the first 10 seconds, I'm like, that's what I want out of a comedy. You got to get that hook. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. You get that hook in the first at least 20 minutes. Sometimes you'll, you, they'll miss that. You'll miss the 20 minutes. Then you're like, mm. <laughs> right. just swimming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I've learned from just watching films and going to festivals and hearing people talk about it is – you have to invite the audience to laugh if you make a comedy. So I think right <laughs> off the bat, you're like, oh, yep, I can yeah, laugh. This a few of the audiences like are not fully sure. Like you get the – it's not a spoiler, but you get that their dad died. And then you're right. like, oh, I don't know if – The yeah. dad died? Yeah, sometimes when we talk about it <laughs> – I didn't read that part of the script. I'm not in that part. People think it's a drama and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, I guess yeah. we do talk about – but uh, a dead dad yeah, I think you know, and then there's those little little kid drawings. I think the the last one of those really puts a button on it. It gives people permission, like totally. you know, we're not going to take this too seriously. So, yeah, and it also sets the tone of how they still view their father, which is you know a through line for the whole film, basically. Right. Yeah. No. I uh, I was hooked right from the get go, and one thing that stood out to me particularly in the beginning was, are you guys parents at all? I am. Three Dan, boys. you are? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, Max, who plays my son in the movie, is my youngest son. Oh, no kidding. That's Cheaper f- than hiring. How old are your kids? Uh, they're nine, six, and four. Okay, so yeah. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so the line you said, if you like it, just eat it. Don't lick it. <laughs> Which is something that I have said to my daughter. My youngest daughter will take her cinnamon toast and just lick it. I go, please just take a full bite. Like, what is the matter with you? So I go, okay, someone's got to have kids in this writing crew. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that scene was one of the more heavily improvised scenes in the movie because we're like, <laughs> we're going to sit him down here. We're going to let him do what he does. And then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll 
build the scene around that. Yeah. yeah. And it was a plate shot, so he wasn't actually talking to his son. It was Yeah, I didn't scream at a no, at a child. <laughs> so he was after, uh, yeah. after we wrap. Yeah. Yeah, you got to you don't want that captured forever on camera. Mm-mm. But uh no, that like so that got me and like everything right there I'm like, okay, this is my kind of sensibility. Like I got it immediately. Uh I don't have any brothers myself, but the dynamic was very much similar with me and some of my friends. And so mm-hmm. I, I got that right away. And then, Pete, when you show up... You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a, a, no. b- a better entrance th- that I've seen in a movie, but you come in in this lumberjack costume. <laughs> oh, right. And that's the first time we see you because... Oh, that's uh, right. There's some logs that need to be split around him. Originally, I wanted him to be silhouetted. So he kind of looks, you know, menacing. Right. But then it we is, just, isn't it? It yeah, is. yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a shadow, it's a shadow yeah. and it worked out better. Um, mm-hmm. And then I wanted him to step in the light, and you see, here yeah. it is, and it was great. Which, by the way, my uh, father-in-law says that to me all the time now. <laughs> he just walks into a room, and he's like, "I hear there's a few logs." <laughs> you know, it's so fun the way you talk about my mom. That's fantastic. <laughs> It's kind of weird because I've seen the film so many times. I find it funny because Tammy, who's in the room, she's just not on mic. Right. I can see her kind of standing up slowly and turning around, and it makes me laugh because <laughs> she's like, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so, Pete, how uh, how did you get hooked up with this project? I know that's kind of a rote question, but... Uh, no, uh, I just... Honestly, had read the script. My agent told me about it. Uh, they wanted me to read the script. I read the script. I thought it was hilarious. And uh, <clears throat> so I just was like, yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I had a very short time frame <clears throat> because I had to get back to work on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And that started like two weeks after, you know, when – because they wanted to basically go for a month, right? Something like uh, that. Just 15 Ooh, days. Go, yeah. 15 right. days? Three weeks, yeah. though. It and so I, I oh, couldn't yeah, go yeah. that long, right. so I could only do 10. And then they went back to them, and they said, oh, that we could probably work that out. And then I was like, oh, that's awesome. And I, you know, just the idea of going to Colorado was fantastic. Oh, totally. No, it's so great. Yeah. I mean, I grew up here. I went to Golden High School. So, like, where you guys were filming, I'm like, yeah, this looks like my backyard. Because I grew up in Genesee. Oh, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys are up in the hills. I'm like, yep. This that is- was my favorite part, actually, is when we actually shot up in the mountains. Uh, we're shooting those yeah. those scenes up there, mm-hmm. and just you could look in any direction, and it was gorgeous. Yeah, totally. What time of year were you guys filming this? August, uh, July, July, July. July. Okay. It was the beginning of mm-hmm. July. Okay, right. perfect. Yeah, nice time of year to be up in the hills too, because it can mm-hmm. get hot down here. We only had one day where it was like monsoon, which kind of caught us off guard, but the rest of it was. Yeah, pretty. We, like we lucked out with the weather. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny you talking about needing to get back to Crazy Ex Girlfriend reminded me of one of my favorite shitty movies, which is Ski Patrol, mm-hmm. which came out in like 1990. And Martin Mull was in that movie, and he said he would an- show up on set every day and announce, "Ladies and gentlemen, I am happy to be in this film. My contract states that I have to be here until this time on this day." He would say that every <laughs> single day when he showed up on set. <laughs> They were in the middle of filming the climax. There's this big, giant, like, hot dog cart hanging off the side of a mountain. 
The time struck, whatever time it was, and he goes, okay, I'm out of here. A helicopter landed and took him away. <laughs> no way. Really? That's so weird. That, wow. You did that exact, I did the same, exact thing. same thing. I had no yeah. idea that story was. Yeah. Well, I was wondering, you and Mark both shared the Uber, same mustache. It was an Uber helicopter. It was an Uber yeah. helicopter. <laughs> it's new. Uh, it was funny. That's I good was technology. About my, some of my heroes, I was saying all my heroes have mustaches, and Martin Mull would definitely be one of my, my mustache heroes. Oh, man. The guy's, <laughs> and the guy's like a savant. I mean, he's like a brilliant painter oh he's like amazing yeah. he's amazing but back in the day when he was doing his stand-up like in the 70s there was nobody that was like him there was nobody that he's just like the yeah. king of the wise asses yeah i loved him on roseanne even mm-hmm. like he was so great as leon just mm-hmm. uh, an amazing sort of scoundrel no. on that show he's so great <laughs> mr mom he's brilliant in that yeah. he's, he's really he's fantastic yeah um did you guys write this with pete in mind uh, we had no idea that we would ever get the chance to get somebody like Pete. <laughs> right. I mean, we wrote it with just, I mean. The we, short answer is yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we said, get me Pete Gardner. Get, Gardner. get, him uh, get Pete Gardner. Honestly, we kind of wrote a cartoon. There were days on set where Nate would look at the screen and be like, are you going to say this? And we're like, what? Who wrote that? Uh, so honestly, like. I mean, we we just the only people that we knew were going to be in it were Scott and I because we wrote it oh, for sure. ourselves, you know. <laughs> and we we were just like, yeah, you know, hopefully hopefully we can get somebody to and yeah, Pete's agent uh, threw got him the script, nice. which it was, you know, a lot of people, you know, your first time feature filmmaker trying to get your project out there. A lot of people are like, where's the money? What's the money like? You know, you can't even get it read. Wow. You know, so. Once we knew that Pete was actually reading the script, yeah, we were just like, just kind of waiting and like, okay, just sitting there with cross fingers. Go. Come on, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. Yeah. And then he got, and then we then we got him secured to do it. And I think I talked to you maybe two days before we started uh-huh. shooting. That just, was like the first time we met was on the phone. Yeah, we and, met on uh, the phone, and, and just... we had just like. The same sensibility of yeah. what we were going to do, and it was nice. like, "Oh, this is just perfect." And the same thing with the guys when we st- when when I got to set, everybody just kind of clicked instantly of like doing bits with each other and not taking themselves too seriously, and we just had a lot of fun right off the bat, and mm-hmm. it just felt like like we had known each other for years. Oh, that's awesome! And just had met minutes ago, yep. so that was really fun. And that made it really because we had to move quick, yeah. So we didn't have time to warm up to each other. We- that had to happen. Right. That had to yeah. be the case. And I I did, I think, 80% of the blocking before we even showed up. Wow. And so I was just like, okay, this is kind of what we're doing. And then they just would be like – and then after that, it was just like complete freedom basically to do the character, um, which they all just nailed it. It was great. We did, we did the characters. We they did, did we do did the characters, yes. which – yeah. That is an acting term. Oh, <laughs> uh, would you did the character, please? <laughs> Uh, I noticed you're not doing the character. <laughs> I did the character. What's funny to me is I, I was happy to hear you describe it as like you wrote a cartoon. And to me, it kind of reminded me of uh, Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner, except in this movie, the coyote is actually successful in a lot of the things that he's trying to do to the Roadrunner. Mm. Mm-hmm. W- was that in your mind at all? Uh, like intentionally, or did it kind of just not play so out that much way? Like Roadrunner cartoons, uh, I mean, it definitely like we did, that did cross our mind a few times when we're like, "How are we gonna, you know, 
pretty low budget film, so and we had written all these things, and we're like, how are we going to do this? I know. They read the script that I got. They had all these stunts, like Pete falls out of a fifty foot tree, Pete gets run over by a truck, Pete gets, and I was like, now. Uh, the tree thing happened. Exactly. Now. The tree thing happened. Yeah. So, so I mean, we kind of were like, well, you know. If if we've got them bought into the characters, we can do some pretty like Roadrunner stuff, yeah. and like it'll, and we'll just we'll just go full cartoon with it, and it'll work because you know we're we're invested at that point, right? Um, yeah, and I think that the performances were basically grounded, so that it wasn't like we were like you know looking at it and making fun of it right now we were we were playing it straight but it was silly but that's as long as you play it straight i think that you that's the only way to hang on to the reality of it at all no mm-hmm. totally it reminds me of uh the way someone described leslie nielsen in the Le- in the naked gun and in airplane he's a fish <laughs> in water and and the whole world is just like reacting to chaos but he's sort of just right there straight right. ahead you know that's his world yeah so i think when you play it straight that that adds another level to the comedy, which I think is cool. Yeah. But Nate, a question for you. Yo, in a low, I'm Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle this one. <laughs> I'll field this one, fellas. Yeah. When you're making a uh, like a, a low budget film and it's got like effects like this, what kind of challenges does that present to you as a filmmaker trying to make this you know look good, you know, or look you know not shitty, <laughs> right? I like that you had to step it down from yeah. good. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Here's Shitty the thing. lazy gentleman is a <laughs> no, I'm no, that's a filmmaking poop. term. <laughs> but uh, it does look good. Like when he falls out of the tree, like I gasped a little bit. I'm yeah. like, hey, oh, that's huh. brilliant. That's amazing because we were like, oh, my God, how are we going to pull this off? I mean, I don't know if we can say. Can you say or no? I don't know if we want to give the magic away. No, but no, 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 no. Don't uh, give it away. No, I'm, no, no. Most, no. I'm just curious most about of what how kept you me that. up at night was these stunts and and like we, effects, right? Right. And we had to rewrite a lot of it because, like Dan said, it was very, it was like a cartoon. The biggest scene we had to rewrite was the bar fight scene because the original scene was like they come in and there's like there's like triads and uh bikers and uh and then they start this fight and they pull out swords and katanas and throwing stars and uh i knew we couldn't do any of that in fact my dp was like man even if we did do this it would take like three days to shoot this right yeah Yeah, you gotta shoot all that coverage right i mean yeah and so we pared it down and um i just had to simplify a lot of things the one thing that i I kept going to Dan. I was like, how are we going to do this scene? I, I mean, it's in the trailer, but uh, there's a fish scene um, where he... A, oh, yeah, that a seems badass. character, yeah, bites A character bites, bites a fish. And I, had no, I was like, how are we going to do this? Because there's no way I'm going to have Pete bite a real fish. That would be so weird. <laughs> That'd be lunacy. That'd be and I don't even know if the union would let us do that. And then Pete... <laughs> And uh, so I had all these worries on my brain, and then uh, Rachel, our set designer, just shows up with a big fish bait thing and fill, fills it with kimchi. And no, I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't have to worry about that at clarify, all. clarify, there is live bait. This was like a rubber fish. It was like a giant fishing yeah. right. No fish were harmed during the yeah. making of this film. <laughs> One, but right? I remember when we had to do that scene with the burn pile. When the burn pile exploded. Oh, yeah. And then we were just like, hmm, we have yellow lights. (laughs) And then little by little, though, we kind of came up with ideas and, like, crafted things to see, like, what would be funny or what would, you know, what would sell it. And I I remember that night thinking, like, oh, this is good. We're, we're, 
we're coming up with this. We're yeah, I remember out. last minute I was like, oh, the brim of his hat should be burned off. Right. Yeah. And they had a spare. So a real quick, I was like, hey, uh, Rachel, can you like uh, burn the brim of his hat so it looks like it just got fried off? <laughs> and then so, I remember taking a puff of the cigarette and right. so when I felt <laughs> yeah. my knees and we go, <laughs> Yeah. But it was fun, though, because we were collaborating. We were coming up with it, and we were yeah, we had- making it work. But there was also – there was no panic. Yeah. And there's right. certainly room for a lot of panic mm-hmm. in sure. a lot of different times. But there never was like, well, what are we going to do? We didn't spend the time going around in circles. We are like, what about this? And people were like, yeah, let's do that. So we just moved mm-hmm. on. We didn't – which was yeah. – you know, credit to you guys. Very – Sort of improv you know, it was like, oh, that's a good idea, also this. And, you know, just kind of yes-anding our way into figuring this mm-hmm. stuff out. Very Which is fun. important because you can spin your wheels for a long time if you were like, no, that's not going to be perfect. That's not going to work. That won't be right. And then you – and it yeah. ends up sucking anyway. So you might as well just go with the first idea and make it the best you can. Yeah. Well, which is really the Well, truth. which was funny because that scene that you're talking about where the fireball goes off, we had this fog machine because we wanted like smoke in the background. Just could not get it to work. Right. And then someone – One of our – One of uh, our uh, – Our uh, DIT camera assistant had a uh, like a vaping thing. <laughs> and just so like a rig? Like, and yeah, he, we were like, like oh, on we break this. trying to figure it out and we like look over and he's just like – Billowing out these giant plumes, and we're like, "Hey, come over here!" (laughs) So literally, we had timed it so he could like, "Okay, action! Okay, blow some smoke!" And he blows it, and then Pete would fall into the frame. And I was like, "I'm just watching the the playback on the," and I was just like, "How did the? This is great that this came together. I can't believe it came together." But that's awesome. Little things like that happen constantly. (laughs) So Pete, it's uh. This is going to be a weird entry into this point, but bear, or into this question, but bear with me. So I'm a communications consultant, and a lot of times I'll end up slotting into like larger firms when they need uh, a contractor. But it's weird slotting into a culture that is already established and trying to find your way in. It sounds like you hit it off with these guys like really quickly. Do you attribute that to it? I looked at your IMDb page, and you've been on virtually every TV show that's ever been produced ever <laughs> um, especially gun smoke that was really good no go well gun smoke ran a long time it so. did but uh like how do you find your way on a set where people sort of know each other because these guys obviously know each other really well how do you integrate yourself into established cultures um i honestly think that that has been a role that i've played many times in my life where i've been the new guy Okay. Where there'll be an established improv group, and then one of the guys goes off to do a movie, so they need somebody else, and I'm that other guy. Right. And I've, I've always, like a crazy ex-girlfriend, they had already shot the pilot, and then they hired me to come in and replace somebody. And so I've, I've been the new guy so many times, and I used to think of it as a curse – and then all of a sudden I started to realize, no, it's a blessing. No, that's a it's gift. Like, it's a gift. And I, I started to realize it's like, oh, this is what you do. This is always – and it's – I've had this when I was a kid. When I was a little kid, all my cousins and my brother and everybody would all play together. And I would be like the Blue Hawk. That's what they used to call me. They were like, <laughs> it's the Blue Hawk. And they'd run away because I had like a Batman costume on. And then, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, what the – why do I – why? And you know what? I just – you just got to embrace it. Yeah. Like sometimes you see things as you think it's like, oh, why can't I just be part of the group? And then it just doesn't work out that way. But then this actually works out great because then you meet people and you're comfortable and you meet people on the fly. And you just you just also have to have a little bit of internal belief 
that they'll come around. And I, I also personally don't spend a lot of time with people that don't get me or like oh, me. Oh, sure, yeah. I don't spend, I don't worry too much about it. If they don't, then I'm like, okay. And I just kind of let them fly. And then I look around and wait to find somebody that does. And I'm like, you and I will be friends. <laughs> and I hang out with them. And then people see how much fun we're having. And then that person that's like, well, he's a loser. And then they'll come around and they'll be like, hey, what's up? Is it one of those things where like you've never met a stranger? Does that ring true with you at all? Because my wife has never met a stranger. She'll start talking to waitresses and get their whole life story. I, I think to a certain degree, but I think it comes from it comes from genuine um, curiosity. Yeah, I, I'm genuinely curious and want to know and want to hear people talk and hear what's going on in their lives because it it's fun. Yeah, it's actually fun and interesting, and I I love when people uh, sometimes reveal things about themselves that you don't think they would reveal, and I, I just find that really interesting. I also think that that's what's fun about acting with people is because. Really good actors reveal all kinds of things about themselves in their work when they're performing with you, and that's one of the that's the game. It's like you really how much are you going to share, mm. and that's a that when people really share themselves, that totally shows up on screen. Yeah, and that's what we that's what we fall in love with when we're watching a movie. We're just like, oh my god, me too. Yeah, oh, I totally get that. That's me. I you know whatever. But if you don't share. And if you only give people what you want them to see, yeah, it's not. That's why people are like, "That's false," because it's like, "Yeah, that's safe, dude." That's, I mean, that's why I do this show, and like, I, I'm genuinely curious about people too. And I found to do a successful interview, you have to give of yourself, of course. And so, like, if if you're just if I'm firing questions at you guys, and it's just an interrogation, like that's no fun. And it's you also know? you're not you're not putting anything on the line. No, yeah, and no. that I think yeah. It, Questions are the easiest thing, of course, like in improvisation, they're outlawed. But, I mean, it doesn't have to be that hard, but I think that's really true is that you're putting all the pressure on your guest. Right. It's like if you can be like, I'm going to share something about me, and if you want to join that, that's, that's good for you. You know, I took, a, uh, I took a couple of levels of improv class here in Denver, and we were doing a scene where, the, like, you know, you ask for suggestions, and we're out, like, on the prairie in a graveyard. Mm -hmm. And so my partner just starts, like, digging a hole. And so instead of me going, why are you digging that hole, right, which is a shitty opening, right. um, I go, you know, your wife was a pain in the ass. And so they're like, that's – okay, that's how you get in there. Right. And so I, I, I identify with what you said because I was thinking about this movie, and early on in it, you have your own kid in there. And mm -hmm. you had a moment where immediately I connected with it because it was so real. You know, don't just like it. Please take a real bite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I was... I was with it right from the get-go. Um, question, how did you guys meet? How did you guys get hooked up? Uh, we met in film Tinder? school. <laughs> I was in film school, swiping through Tinder. We, um, we met on a play. We were doing a – we got cast in a play called The Shape of Things. Mm -hmm. And Where was that? Uh, this was CU Denver. Okay, perfect. Cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, local in town. And I think the first time we met was at the table read at our director's house. Mm -hmm. And then it had been revealed that we had both done the same monologue for our for <laughs> Oh, our Jesus. <laughs> and then we... What was I, the monologue? It was a bad Something one out of about, like a monologue book. Yeah, it was about... This. <laughs> you happened to both pick the same yeah. one? It was the only good one. It was, uh, it was about being like a nice, a nice guy. guy. This guy that was, was upset because a girl yeah. had called yeah, him I'm nice. Not nice. Yeah, yeah, so he goes off about... Kind of I'm not a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. We're not nice. So somehow we both read that yeah. and identified with it. Uh, on funny. some level. 
And so we did this show and then, you know, you, you spent a lot of time obviously as actors and, um, rehearsals and stuff. And we found out we both, we both really like the Packers and we're kind of into food. We like eating. Yeah. I love nourishing my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And air and yeah. air <laughs> water. Yeah, no, but we just started spending time together, and then... Uh, and we kind of became fans of each other, because then I just kind of just started putting him in everything that I was making. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, we just stayed in touch over the years, and then when we started writing the script, I would send it to Nate to just sort of get his thoughts on it, you know, what do you think? And um, then when it came time to actually make it, I was like, you know, you know who should direct it? <laughs> you. Well, Nate, you said you were first-time feature director, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were putting him in stuff. Like, what kind of stuff were you putting him in? Uh, whew, uh, senior project. I wrote a play called Thoughts of a Dying Atheist where he okay. plays death. And uh, in that, I specifically wrote it for him because he's a really good musician. So I wrote it in the script that he plays the piano and all this stuff. I'm trying to think of... I, no, that might have been the only films. thing. Yeah, student different films. Yeah. We did like a radio play together with Neil. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool, yeah. We did a version of Romeo and Juliet with Neil. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff with Neil. Yeah, yeah. Neil's really the, the glue. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's, Neil's glue. <laughs> Couldn't find a role for him in this one, though, huh? Well, I have you, a role for him in my next one, actually. I actually, had, I actually sat down with Neil when we were starting to go out and hunt for money to make this movie. And he goes, you know, he's like, well, how much do you want to make this movie for? <laughs> and I was like... Oh, that was a good Neil, by the way. I do a really good one. I'm like a little gun shy right now to actually go full Neil. Uh, he's like, how much money do you think you're going to get in this movie? And I was like, I don't know. I think we could do it for like a quarter million. He's like, okay, do that budget. You need to make another budget. And he's like, he's like make three budgets and plan to do the lowest one. <laughs> And I was like, okay. And I kind of walked away. I was like, oh, what does Neil know? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I've told him since, like, yep, that's what ended up happening. Yeah, we ended up, you know, making it for the the bare minimum one that uh, wow. that he advised me to sort of consider. <laughs> well, dynamite advice. Uh, what is it like uh, fundraising for an indie film? I I've asked that before on here, but I'm curious what your guys' experience with it was like. I, it's hard. Did um, you, no, it's a joy. It just time just of my one life, of my greatest joys. It's you know, especially like we've been saying, it was our first feature. So um, to actually take like a capital investor to get them to take you seriously, mm. pretty next to impossible. We shot a really good like proof of concept. We shot a scene from the film uh, to sort of try to show around to people, but really it ended up just being finding people that believed in us at our, as artists that we knew. That you know weren't really film investors yeah. um, to to say like I, be- I believe in this and one of one of our main investors were my in laws and oh, uh, nice. and they just said you know we we believe in you guys and we don't want you to not make this because you can't find the money and they're you know I wish there was a better piece of advice but really I mean I, I think for a lot of people if it's your first project you got to sort of just scrape together what you can yeah. from from the people that already believe in you um, and then do, do whatever you can with that amount. And then, you know, hopefully, I think we did pretty good. I think we'll yeah. get permission to do it again with, and I think with somebody else's money. There yeah. was very much a sense of we were taking it seriously. We were committed 
Because I've heard horror stories where people will take money and then not actually make anything. Oh, good God. And uh, we or wanted, not finish it. Or, or not finish it. Yeah. And I, we were the complete opposite. Like, we're going to make this. Mm-hmm. We're going to follow through. We're going to be committed. And or I, I have to get a divorce. Or you have, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that a lot was, riding on it then. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird phone call when he was like, "We got the money. It's from my in-laws." I was like, "Oh, that's great." Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't want no uh, choice. But no pressure, Nate. <laughs> I don't want to cause any family strife here. But but uh, no, I think they like it. I, yeah, I think I would feel that same way about any investor. You know, I, I think as artists, like we just want to do right by the people that sort of give us the green light. You know, yeah. I mean. Because the idea is to keep doing it, you know. If totally. If you're not committed to it and don't, don't see it through, you're you're not going to get to do it again. Well, I've been a solo entrepreneur for the last four and a half years, and it's amazing to me that people will pay me money to do what I do. Like <laughs> I, I go, I I can't believe I actually get to do what I want. Sort of, you know, like I have clients and I have to deliver for them, but I'm doing what I want. And that is just such a dream come true. So when you guys get to do this and you execute at a high level like this, because this movie's funny and it's well shot and it's great. Like I really enjoyed watching it. And, you know, like when I did this podcast, when I started it, I would talk to people and I'd be like, hey, would you be on my show? And they go, yeah, can I see it? And I go, I don't have it yet, but I need guests before, you know, like, so, you know, you're asking people for money and you can kind of tell them you, you do a proof of concept or whatever, but they're still sort of to use a... Uh, craps metaphor they're sort of betting on the come line a little bit you know so they've got their money out there and they're hoping that this roll of the dice is going to pay off which is a big deal and so the fact that you guys take that seriously i mean that like that's just so heartening so yeah i i mean there's a lot of like it's like the running joke right like whose money did you lose this year (laughs) Um, and you know, we do, we don't have a lot of control over selling the film and making money, but we do have control over making something that is good. Yeah. And that you're proud of value and that you're proud of. You do that and, and see what happens. And usually if you've got the right investor, they understand and they believe in you. And you know, if you do what they expected you to do, they're, they're pretty happy and the money is gravy. And Pete was talking about in a, a different interview about the, the collaboration aspect of it and really like, yeah, we see the actors, but <clears throat> how it really is. You want everyone that put time into it to be proud of it and to sure. like really enjoy the fact that they did it. And so that is also, you know, on, on my mind more so after the shooting, I, I think when you're in it, you don't think about it as much because it's really about doing yeah, but and when, there's no time to think about right, it. When everybody, you're just having, and you've got stuff to do tomorrow, and you just got to make sure you get this. But it, it really kind of falls on everybody's shoulders. It's not just you. Everybody's like got to bring it. Everybody's right. got to bring their A game. And when everybody does bring their A game, it lifts other people that are yeah. feeling like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta step up. I gotta step. I gotta keep up. And I think that is the magic. And when you run for its movie magic, that's what it is. And I met. Most of the people that worked on this film for the first time, like days before we started shooting, which is like amazing. And they were all super committed and just crazy talented Um, because I can't do it by myself at all. All I can do is make decisions. I can. <laughs> Dan can do it all the time, but he's a jerk. Well, yeah. you, you got Have three you boys. Have ever seen Dan Camp? <laughs> <laughs> it's only two minutes. Oh my really god! god. <laughs> I think 
we have ourselves a sequel. Nope. Nope. Uh, what is, like, if you guys, if this thing, you know, succeeded to your expectations, what would that look like? Like, what's your sort of ultimate vision for this? Oscars. Academy Awards. Yeah. So we're on the same Perfect. I don't think we qualify, but. Why? Just get out of town. I'll put it up in my hometown theater. We'll get it. (laughs) All right. Uh, Staring in theaters here. (laughs) Right? I mean. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I just want it, one, to find an audience. I think think there's an, there are audiences that, that want these kind of films that. You know, we we don't make as much either comedies are, uh, you know, really, really subtle or just like playing for jokes. And this, I think, is just sort of a a movie about family that is really funny. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a, a throwback. I, I always tell people it's like a well, – I was watching a Man of the House with Jonathan Taylor Thomas the other day. <laughs> a classic. On HBO, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of set up like one of those movies, but the kid is an adult, right? You know, um, and I just think it's a lot of fun, and I think I think it highlights sort of our voice and the, the kind of things that we enjoy, and to find an audience and have people be interested in hearing more of those kind of stories. I think what's also kind of nice though is that these guys were doing it for themselves, as far as like what they thought was funny. As opposed to when you try to mm-hmm. do something that, for somebody that you don't even know who's going to be watching it and think what, what they might think is going to be funny is just, just shooting yourself in the foot. You're just never going right. to ever come up with that answer. So these guys were really like, you know what would be funny if I came through the window with camo or whatever, whatever the, the ideas were. But it, it was them. It was their thing. It wasn't, you know, wasn't trying to please anybody but themselves, which, was, which is great when you have an audience that can appreciate it and enjoy it. Yeah, how much of that did? Uh, how much of yourself did you bring to this, Pete? Oh, everything. You always bring. I. I mean, that's what I think that that's part of what we were just saying a minute ago. Right, right. Sharing right. is that you have to. You have to share yourself. And then what was great was Pete is you know more experienced than we are being on set, and he actually pushed us to get some shots that we weren't ready for, and he was just like. Uh, if we don't get this shot, you don't have a movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, you know, I. I have enjoyed this, but you know I'm gonna leave. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, let's like do we it. Heard the helicopter. Helicopter. to <laughs> <laughs> pick you up off the top of the mountain. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything like that. Like he was like itching to get out of there, but he, you know, he has other jobs and responsibilities. But well, sure. Um, mm-hmm. And that part was fantastic, just to kind of be yeah. like, yeah, you're right. Like, mm, yeah, reshoots were really we gotta, not not a reality not, for us. So we, right. we, had and we to were it. we were talking earlier about um, the fact that it was. Um, the the schedule was so short, but it turned out I thought it turned out to be a good thing because it just kept us working. We were, yeah. I mean we would have loved to have some breathing room, but once you have breathing room, you get to like oh you know and people are doing bits on the side mm-hmm. and people are talking and people are doing we didn't have any time for that. It was just like work work work, and if you weren't working, you could do bits off to the side when other people were doing stuff. But you weren't like we weren't like lounging around, which right. is what happens. It's just you just mm-hmm. you have time, you take time. Well, it's like when you move into a new house, people say your stuff becomes like water, right? It will fill the space. Mm-hmm. So whatever schedule you have, you will fill that space with whatever. Right. So when you have a short timetable, man, you will you will put your head down. I work so much better with deadlines. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys work similarly, but when when there's deadlines, that's when my creativity 
really starts flowing. Because you've got so. no choice. No. <laughs> you've got no choice. Yeah. You've got to do it. And that's, and that's what happens. One of my guiding life philosophies is a good plan today is better than the perfect plan tomorrow. Yep. So, which I've, which I've always really, really liked. Um, so, okay. I've always wondered about this. I'm a huge professional wrestling fan. And so, and those guys like to build themselves as the greatest one take actors in the world. Okay. (laughs) Because they, they, which I know, um, which is funny to me because when you have so many lines to learn quickly, how, like what techniques do you guys have for doing that? Because Dan, I know, uh, Am, am I correct? Like, were you on uh, soap opera? Yes. Yeah, okay. I did a, a brief run on General Hospital. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, weekdays at. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, and if if the show Friends is to be believed, uh, one of the things Joey says is they give you so many lines and you have to learn them quickly because I mean that's like a high volume of shooting. Is that right? Yeah. So that that was a big lesson for me. I thought we were doing a rehearsal take. And then we moved on. Oh, <laughs> oh <geez. wow. laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, boy. Uh, it was real rough to watch that uh, back on screen. But, yeah, there's – I mean, if nobody falls down and you got the <laughs> script close, you're moving on. Wow. Um, the mo- I think that the most yeah. important thing about learning lines and, and understanding those things is if you understand what the story is. If okay. you understand how the yep. story goes and why you're saying what you're saying. So it's like the times you get in real trouble are the times where you look at a little monologue as just that little monologue. Oh, okay. And i got to say this all really fast. And, that's the, and you get all locked into that. That's when you run into all kinds of trouble because then – Anytime somebody makes a noise over here, you're distracted and you're, you lose your place. But if you know why you're saying it, what you're saying, mm. and, then, and then the real challenge, or not the challenge, the real magic is to be listening. It's not so much what mm-hmm. you're saying, it's what you're hearing, and then that's why you're saying it. Okay. And so if you really, if you're in your head thinking about your lines, you're missing this guy completely. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and I know it's, what, it's a cliche that everybody says, but your partner is the most important person in the scene. And so people mm-hmm. forget that all the time. They're just like, yeah, but um, I was holding this cup and I should be sitting here. And I was like, don't worry about that stuff. The most important thing you need to worry about is what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. And how does that affect you? Well, it's a very improv thing, right? It, it, but be, it's just, be present and listen. And- but, but it's it's so easy to say. It's so hard to do because right. everybody's the, – the camera isn't on all of you. The camera's on you and yeah. it's about me. Right. I mean, in, mm. in his mind. So it doesn't seem like that because when the camera's on you, it's like, it's all about yeah. me. It's all about me. And I better get this right. Or, you know, or we're going to be mm-hmm. here all night. But it's not. You got to remember that it's about the other person. And it's also about that other person giving you something yeah. when you're when it's your turn, when it's time for your coverage. Because, yeah. you know, what's amazing is when, you know, we take a master shot yeah. and then we get your stuff and I'm great in your stuff. <laughs> And then we flip around and then get me. I'm all over the place and I miss my lines, whatever, because I'm I'm focused in the wrong place. You're focused about me. Yeah, I think too, like good writing, and I'm not gonna like praise the writing in this movie because I wrote it. (laughs) But writing writing as an actor, good writing allows you to if it's if the dialogue is written well, if you're just listening. It'll tell you exactly what you need to say. Right. So you really don't need to worry about, will I remember this line then? Because whatever that person is saying to you will tell you exactly 
what you need to say. The, the problem is, is that <laughs> good writing is hard to come by. Yeah. And uh-huh. when there is really good writing, somebody else is doing it. Uh, so it's, it's, the trick is, is to be, to make all those things happen with stuff that may not be completely thought out. The things that somebody wrote last night because we need it for this scene to make sense so that we can go to the next scene or whatever. Right. And so you just have to learn to build that muscle of just be a hundred percent invested. And the best actors to play with are the people that are a hundred percent committed. Mm. And all you have to do is join them. I mean, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've worked with people like that before, and you're just like, "Oh wow, <laughs> you are so far in this." I'm, I'm here. I come here. I come. Yeah. I'm going to join you. And so then, what you learn is like, you be that person for somebody else. Yeah. You be 100 percent mm. committed. And sometimes that's improvisational because sometimes that'll pull people into the scene by saying something they're not prepared for. All of a sudden, they'll be like, "Oh yeah," and then they'll play. And then the next time you do the take, they're not sure what you're going to do. And I think that's a blessing because. You're gonna. They're listening now. Yeah. Because they're not 100 percent sure what you're gonna do, and that should never be a problem because you should never know what anybody's gonna do. Because <laughs> you didn't, and that's why I never understand why actors are like, you know what I'd like from you to do, or you know what I'd like from you, or I'd like you to do, and that's just such bullshit. That's just like the worst of the worst. As like, oh yeah, you you. I need you to act this way so that what I'm doing makes sense. That's just like, what is that? But you, it happens. You've actually had actors do that. I've done that. No, <laughs> no, no, but I've had, I've had that happen. Wow. I've, I've seen that with people. And then I've also had actors say that to me, like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do I want you to do? I want you to show up and do your right, job. Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you do your thing. I'm going to do mine and we'll meet in the middle. And that's, I mean, that's honestly actors for don't realize a lot of times that's why they're being paid a lot of money Yeah, is because that's hard to do. Yeah, It's hard to do. It seems so easy on screen because it's you know it looks like we we're watching it from afar, but when you're actually doing it to be present and to be patient and to really listen, especially when a bunch of cameras and about forty or fifty people are standing yeah. and watching you, you're not loose. And what the thing the the trick is to be loose, but it's no, know. it's a totally artificial environment. Yeah, you know, I mean, we were watching Teresa just you know do this thing for uh, the film festival and there's like 10 people in here just all standing around either like watching and she's just poised right into camera and i'm like she like it's like we're not even here which was amazing to me because i'm not on set all that frequently you know so <laughs> and she's offering me some gratitude um but yeah watching her i'm like she is locked into this and you're right that is an absolute skill and what you were saying about comedy is interesting. You know, the camera's on me, and you're great off-camera, right, doing that. Um, that's got to be interesting when you're shooting coverage, though, you know, because comedy in particular is a lot of reaction shots. And there's a ton of them in this movie, you know, because comedy, like, you want the audience to be there with the characters. So they're reacting to something one of the other characters did. You have to shoot that so everyone has to be present. You know, you can't just be like standing there like a mannequin watching everyone, you know, deliver their lines, right? Right. So, yeah, and it is kind of interesting because if we had had more time, I would have, I like letting stuff like scenes, their coverage play out, but it got to the point where we just didn't have enough time. So I would be like, you know what? I really liked that line, the way you did that. Let's get it in a different angle. And they would literally deliver it that one line like <laughs> you'd give them you know okay set them up and then do it and which is i would feel would be not as comfortable because you're not in the scene like developing the scene right. as you go but you know they were able to pull it off and they i would imagine 
once you get those reputation uh um repetitions in as an actor it just becomes um yeah easier to fall into what you need to do quick i don't know what i'm trying to say no i think it makes <laughs> but, no, sense you're saying. i'm there with you too because when we first started shooting i would literally i would be doing like okay i just want reactions from you and i would let the whole scene play out and the camera was just getting reactions and it very quickly became like oh i can't do that like, <laughs> that's that's a luxury i'm right. not afforded yeah, at I the can't, moment you know whatever was in my head i you know i have to you know switch it up because there's just not time to do that but it also, like, you know, we were saying, it, I don't know, when you have that, that pressure just to get stuff done and you don't have time to think about it, yeah. it just, you just do it and you get something great, which is, which is amazing to watch. So, okay. First time feature director, what is something on your next project that you would definitely do again that you learned on Man Camp? What is something that you maybe would do differently? Differently, I think. We shot, I mean, I'm going to go technical on this. We shot it on primes, these great primes. Okay. I didn't realize how long it took to switch lenses. Ah. So I think if I was to do something similar or maybe just a tad longer, maybe if it was 15 days, I would switch to two cinema zoom lenses. I know that sounds super boring, but I think it would be easier to quickly get shot. <laughs> I think it, that would be the thing is whatever... Whatever would I could get more performance, right. I think that's what I would do. Totally. Um, what worked great, I thought... I think the... I mean, I'm going to brag on Dan a little here. How do you feel about that? Real good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but the relationship between a director and a producer is, like, critical. I mean, there's... N I've always... After going through the process, I realized if you don't have at least one producer that is super committed, this thing's going to get made no matter what, especially on a indie pit film. The director just can't do it. Um, so you have to have that person that's just going to like drive through. And we had Dan and we had Scott. So we had two people that were driving the really driving it. But Dan was kind of the head guy and he was just, he was going to make this thing happen. And I think moving forward, to do another film. Probably get rid of Scott. No. <laughs> 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 well, he's a, he's a big shot now. He's yeah. one of those. He's Screw you, Scott. No. Sadly, this podcast is huge in the ground. <laughs> so he'll definitely hear it. You know, my, uh, my Denver indie podcast. Mm -hmm. Big out there, though. Big. Yeah. So if, if anyone else wants to make their first feature, I would say do it with a producer that's really going to like commit to it and make it with you and collaborate. All right, guys. Well, now's the time on the show when we do plugs. Uh, where can people find Man Camp? Where can they find you guys? Anything you, any of you want to plug, do it now. Wow. Um, um, well, I have a room up on Airbnb. If <laughs> That'll be a first. <laughs> Four seven five. No, I'm not going to give out my address, but <laughs> mancampmovie.com is yep. the first thing that That's if you want to visit. Yeah, you can. Yeah, there's a mailing list there, so you can get updates on release and everything uh, as, as it happens. So that's definitely a spot. And if you haven't seen the film or seen the trailer, uh, everything's up there. So that's a great place to start. We'd love for you to follow us. Uh, Are you on Facebook, the socials? Instagram. It's all at mancampmovie. 
Nice. Um, so yeah, follow us. Uh, my personal Instagram is is uh, just looking for love. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it's like five pictures of my kids. I'm pretty bad at it. So nice. you won't find much there, but you yeah. know, you could be one of a very exclusive group of followers. <laughs> Mine are all photos of my cats under the hashtag worst coworker ever since I work from home. So I think I have I have a handle at Nate James Baki on Instagram and I think there's one picture of a bagel I burned. Yeah, job I had about eight years ago at a coffee shop, so I'm not great at it. But Pete is very good at the social. Oh media. yeah, I'm. Uh, what do you call it? An influencer? No, I'm an instigator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have. Uh, I just worked on a television show in Finland. Nice. Uh, in I shot in Helsinki for uh, uh, for a month. Um, it's called the perfect or, or called Perfect Commando. And it's about um, it's about a young guy who gets um, who who's like kind of a uh, whatever a kind of a bum, and his parents uh, trick him into going to Finland because he has dual citizenship, and they pick him up and they take him for mandatory military service. And so we shot, <laughs> wow. and it was really fun. It was really crazy. But the only thing is, you have to move to Finland to see it. I think. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's on some uh, streaming service. But in Europe, but it'll probably eventually make its way to nice. uh, what's it to called? Netflix. Perfect Commando. Perfect, Perfect Commando. Commando. And I play okay. a mm-hmm. former soap opera star. Okay, <laughs> it was really fun. And then we had to do stuff Sounds that awesome. were shot in. Uh, Why didn't you in... call me for notes? On that? <laughs> oh, like, I, I did. I could've... But did... no, uh, he, he left you a message on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> your cat guy. <laughs> no, uh, the um, what was really fun is that. Then they had to shoot stuff where I was supposed to be from California, and we had to shoot in Spain to make it look like <laughs> Malibu. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on. This, <laughs> count me in. Um, so, yeah. So that's just what's coming up next. That's awesome. Well, Pete, Nate, Dan, I loved Man Camp. I thought it was terrific. I want, Thank you. I want this thing to blow up. I want you guys to have great success. And uh, huge. It was a real pleasure, and I wish you all continued success. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. And that'll do it for episode 232 of the John of All Trades podcast. Big thanks to Pete Gardner, Nate Bakke, Dan Cummings, the star, director, writer, and also star of Man Camp. What a terrific film. I highly encourage you to check it out. As I said in the intro, go to the John of All Trades companion blog piece or check out the show notes for links to Man Camp and how to stay up on it. Be sure you check it out. I've got a ton more coverage coming up here from the Denver Film Festival. I've got at least two more interviews coming your way, so stay tuned to the John of All Trades social media. Check those out. That's J-O-A-T Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or another podcatcher, hit that subscribe button. Brand new episodes will come directly to you. You don't even have to do any work. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. That helps with the visibility of the show. The John of All Trades podcast is produced by Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. Training, content, engagement, and podcasting. Our sponsor is Four Degrees. Number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Anything you're doing online, Four Degrees will help you do it better. Your message needs to get in front of the people who need to hear it. They will craft a campaign that is impactful, gets on the platforms where your audience is, and will connect with them in a meaningful way. Number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. I'm back here very soon with brand new episodes from the Denver Film Festival. 
and I've got a fun thing planned for when we wrap up this whole series. So stay tuned for that. I will see you back here very soon. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.